Welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. I know you're wondering, why didn't I get to listen to this on Tuesday? Well, everything got thrown out of whack. My co-host, my lovely co-host, Shotgun, was a little bit under the weather on Monday, so we had to push back. We didn't know if we were going to do an episode, but Shotgun was adamant that we give the Helium Boys podcast fans some love, and we do an episode, although... It's going to be the quickest episode in the history of this silly little podcast career. And I told Shotgun, I don't think we can do it. He wants to do a 30-minute <laughs> podcast. Shotgun's going to take 30 minutes just to explain the rules of this podcast. So I, I don't know. This is not going to work. But luckily, I'm host, so I can get a little bit of a speediness going for this podcast. Chris, we're going to put a timer on this. We're going to put 30 minutes. Once we start, when the timer goes off, then we're wrapping it up. We're wrapping the show up. Yeah, unfortunately, I was a little bit under the weather coming back from the the weather in uh, Chicago and the rain we dealt with on Friday. Before we jump into everything, I just want to say thank you to all you, everyone that came out to the meetup. For one, we had so many people. That was awesome. Um, And then also thank you to everyone that stopped us on the way into the stadium or when we're running around the stadium to say that you guys enjoyed the podcast, you enjoy the other podcasts. Uh, You know, I got people the cilantro boy, cilantro boy, yelling over or helium boys, everything. So I like stop Chris a couple of times as we're on our way into the, in the stadium from checking out touchdown Jesus and everything. But it was so awesome to see so many people out there. We really appreciate your guys support. But with that, Chris, I'm going to start the timer. We're going to jump in it. We got some modified rules. Do you want to explain those first or we want to just as we go? No, because then it will take too much time. Since our time right. has not officially started, it makes sense to do it before the actual time and wasting time. Instead of our two-minute drill, it's actually going to be a one-minute drill shotgun. Can you handle that? Yeah, we're going to go one-minute drill. We're going to do stock up, stock down, condensed version, condensed version of the, the preview, and then we're going to get as many questions in as we can after that. We'll see what kind of time uh, allows us, and we'll finish with take it or leave it um, at, at the end. Or maybe we even flip, take it, leave it and do it before. I don't know. Chris is hosting. We'll see how it goes. Our timer starts now, Chris. 30 minutes on the clock. You didn't even give me time, but you're going first because you're the host. So I got one minute about to start. So you got to give me your thoughts. One minute drill shotgun. I don't have much faith in you, but I'm going to go one, two, three, go. One minute to discuss what happened at Notre Dame for USC. They just, they just got beat up on the offensive line in particular. The offensive line was not good in that game. The offensive line did not protect Caleb Williams enough. The offensive line did not open up holes enough for the run game. And when that happens, everything falls apart. No offense is good if they don't have an offensive line. You have to be able to protect the quarterback. You have to be able to open up some run lanes. And the offensive line didn't do that. Notre Dame took it to them with physicality. The defense played good, but not great. They were good, but not good wasn't good enough. You know, they were able to get stops on defense, or they were able to, you know, keep Notre Dame from getting a ton of yards, but they didn't get stops necessarily. Those sudden change turnarounds. And then obviously the big blow was the special teams touchdown. So USC goes into South Bend and they had been, it had been accumulation of weeks coming up, leading up where they hadn't been playing great and they don't play well at all against Notre Dame. And they leave with a 28 point rivalry loss. Ouch. I know you wanted to do more there, but you saw the clock and you were like, I just have to end it on this point, even if it doesn't really make that much sense. I saw oh, it. You, you got to get the shot up. It. Yeah, I'm dribbling. I got uh, this great you, move set up, but I, you got to get the shot up when you see the shot clock run. You, you run did down. get the shot. You did. You get. You did get the shot. Uh, shot going. So it did clang off the rim, but it's okay. You did get it off though. 
All right, Chris, you got one minute. What what stood out to you in, in Notre Dame and South Bend on the trip to Chicago? Your first time being on that trip. All I have to do is just repeat what I said on the emergency podcast in the car. No, that's what I can just say. <laughs> but South Bend was awesome. The people of Indiana were so great. It was so great to seeing all those uh, famous sites at Notre Dame's campus. The weather was fun. Didn't rain, so that was happy. But in terms of the game, meltdown on offense we feel we felt like like, this game had been trending for a while they had been playing poorly for the last several weeks you felt like a game like this was coming you know it feels like when you get food poisoning and just everything you feel sick and then everything comes out at once i want to see how this team responds to getting rid of all that bad stuff in them this was a bad bad game a meltdown on offense let's see if they can finally get up on their feet they're a little bit weak they have Utah coming in this week. You don't need extra motivation. It's freaking Utah. They beat you uh, twice last season. This is the game that has to springboard them into a better second half of the season. And if they want to make the college World playoff or the Pac-12 championship, it's going to start this week on Saturday against the Utes. Nice job. One minute. Exactly. I like it, Chris. I think I was about I like a, a half a second under. Maybe you were half a second over. So combined, we're terrific. Don't play with me, Shotgun. This is a quick episode. I'm wearing sunglasses. I can't find my normal sunglasses. I look like a Mexican Terminator. We're going here. Let's roll it. We're going into stock up, stock down. Shotgun, you just got to read your stocks. Let's go. The problem is people are going to love this format, and they're not going to want the regular back anymore, Chris. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, Stock up, though. You got to start with Xavier Watts. What a phenomenal game from him, the Notre Dame defender, two interceptions, fumble recovery for touchdown, fumble forced, best uh, defensive game I've seen since probably Cam Smith's three uh, interception game or Wisconsin's Jack Sinchi, the linebacker in Holiday Bowl, had back-to-back-to-back sacks and a bunch of tackles. So that's the one I'm going to explain. Uh, also stock up major concerns for this season for USC. You know, it, the trending is going the wrong direction. The this closes, several plays where it's like, oh, they were this close but didn't count, catches out of bounds, push-offs, different things like that. Zachariah Branch creating creativity. He's such an electric weapon, and Lincoln Riley's starting to get starting to unveil some different things with him. You saw him in the backfield a bunch of times in that game. Zion Branch stock up, came in and played really well. And then Christian Roland Wallace was absolutely phenomenal in that game. What about you, Chris? What do you got on stock up? I also had Christian Roland Wallace, of course. Uh, I also had Tackett Curtis with his Ooh, play. I mean, we talked to we talked to one of his relatives outside of the stadium. We were going in. He told us you're going to see a different Tackett Curtis today, and that held up being true. I had stock up on tackling only two missed tackles after 49 the previous three weeks. So you got to give them a little praise since we've been harping on that. I also had Zachariah Branch. Uh, tinkering is what I said, you know, just using him in different ways. He's such an electric athlete. As you said, you have to figure ways to get him involved. I'm sure Lincoln Riley has been staying up late, worrying about the offensive line and the offense, but I'm sure he's had some nights staying up, figuring out how can I just get the ball in this kid's hands. Then I had stock up on Michael Jackson, the third, who didn't play obviously a lot early in the year, but he seemed to come on really the last two games, led the team in catches, uh, in this one. So Michael Jackson just wanted to give him a little prop and back to Christian Wallen Wallace. That is the best performance we've seen from a quarterback cornerback of this season. So props to him. I, I see that clip on social media where he's like mirroring the, the tight end, I believe. And it's just a hypnotizing clip to watch. It's so much fun. So <laughs> props to him. Very, very good list there, Chris and Tack Curtis. I think that one needs to definitely be pointed out. Um, you could just tell the confidence 
And that was something, you know, when we did talk to their relative, it said, it seems like he it's clicking now. And you could tell the confidence. He's pointing out things to Zion Branch at times in that game when Zion came in and, and doing things like that. And he talked about that a little bit on, uh, you guys got to check out uh, our House of Victory interview that we had with him on Tunnel Vision uh, as well, talking about how, you know, he's not re- thinking about as much things as going on. So that was a really good one. Uh, Michael Jackson, uh, touch on that one real quick. He is eating into the snaps of Dorian Singer. So that's going to jump me into my stock down. Dorian Singer still just not having that connection with Caleb Williams. That's a big thing. And you saw it on the interception. The second interception um, over the middle looked like Singer was trying to run a – or Caleb wanted him to run kind of a flat crosser. Singer was getting more depth. um, And with the pressure there, they weren't able to sync up. And Lincoln Riley asked him about it today on our Thursday call, and he said that, you know, that was on Caleb. But definitely those two just haven't been synced up. And that could be a big weapon that USC could kind of add, I guess you would say, down the stretch if they can get him going and and get those locked in. But Caleb Williams obviously on stock down, just his worst game. Uh, He'll bounce back. I am definitely believe that, especially if they fix the next one, offensive line physicality. It just was not there. It wasn't necessarily that there's a bunch of communication breaks or they're not passing off guys. It's just, they just got beat. And that's, I think that's probably more concerning, I think. Um, but we'll see how they respond. It was not a good performance there. Stock down on USC ever winning in South Bend. You know, it's been like 140 years, it feels like, since they won there last, 2011. I don't think I'm ever going to cover a game in South Bend with USC winning. That's what it feels like. I don't know how long, much longer I'll be on the beat. So who knows? We'll see. Uh, sudden change stops the defense. Like I said, there wasn't a ton of yards, 250-something yards for Notre Dame, but they couldn't get those sudden change stops to really change the momentum because momentum was huge in this game, and I think that's something that you look at the stats and it doesn't tell you the whole story there. And then Stockdown on special teams' goodwill. Special teams have been building up some goodwill, and then back-to-back games there's a major issue, and everyone's like, oh, Fire the special teams coordinator. Get a special teams coordinator. Do something different with the special teams, even though special teams, as Lincoln Riley did say, has has been better than it was last year, and statistically it has. Now, I also have special teams, but I wrote it as special teams, not including Zachariah Branch, so anything outside <laughs> of that realm. But also, Dennis Lynch did make his two field goals, and especially that one right before halftime, which gave them a little bit of life. Mainly, special teams was uh, boo-boo all the way around. Obviously, you can't give up a 100-yard kickoff return. When you just took the momentum back, that was absolutely a backbreaker and pretty much felt like when the game was going to be decided. You know, you had that one shot. I also had offensive line, just just a terrible performance. You know, Jonah Monheim talked about, you know, they have to take the accountability for they put Caleb Williams under duress all night. They didn't They didn't get surprised by anything the defense did. They just got flat-out beat. So that is obviously something moving forward that they have to address. I have stocked down on playing Eric Gentry. You know, USC's media put out that that tweet about his pro football focus numbers from the week before where he was, I, I believe it was like number one in tackling uh, for the team, highest defensive grade, something like that. All these great numbers. And then Shotgun's going to tell me the actual number. I felt like he played one defensive snap. I know he played some on special teams, but just one defensive snap. I know Tackett Curtis was playing well, but you couldn't find a way to get Eric Gentry, and I still don't understand. This is one of the most baffling storylines of the season for me, not playing Eric Gentry or not giving him more time. I just don't understand it. And then I have stocked down on college football playoff run. You know, this was a game that you're supposed to, like, 
cement your opportunity or cement that you are a decent, a good challenger to make that run. And they didn't, they didn't do that. They, you know, you still have the opportunity, but I would just say it, it opened a lot of eyes. Like, okay, is this team for real? Are they going to come to play in those big games? Yeah, I got Ari Gentry with two snaps. Actually, they went to dime twice, uh, brought – they actually took both Mason Cobb off and Tackett Curtis and brought in Ari Gentry as the one linebacker and brought on Zion Branch as the extra uh, defender or extra DB there. Um, so they did some different things. Uh, we got a couple – it seems like we got a little bit of time um, quicker than we were going. But a couple of interesting things – you talked about – Zachariah Branch and how they're doing a bunch of different things, put him in the backfield. They actually went to a full five wide receiver package for the first time under Lincoln Riley. You think of air raid. Oh, that's five wide receivers. They're going to spread the ball out. That's not what Lincoln Riley has been. They've done more stuff with a tight end on the, on the field most of the time, but they actually went true five wide receiver. Now, it wasn't just, hey, we're going to spread everything out with five wide receivers. It was, okay, we got four wide receivers outside Zachariah Branch in the backfield. Four wide receivers outside Taj Washington as an H-back. So Lincoln Riley's still getting creative and mixing things up. But I did think it was interesting that they used five wide receivers for the first time um, ever. They've done a bunch of different things where they've done some things where they take the running back off and have four receivers and a tight end. Um, or, you know, four receivers and a, and a running back is not uh, unusual, but they've done some kind of mixing and matching with different things. They put the running back at H back a couple times in this game. So they tried a couple of different things, and I wasn't sure if this was just game plan, scheming things out against Notre Dame, or an adjustment in game to be like, all right, we got to keep someone extra in to help block because they're struggling here. Um, but we want to spread out Notre Dame. The whole game plan was spread Notre Dame out, use your athletes. That's kind of always the game plan. Notre Dame physicality versus USC skill. Um, and at USC, you want to spread them out and try to you know get on the edges and stuff like that. But you can't do that if you don't block the four guys up front. And Notre Dame did a great job bringing pressure early, five, six guys at different times. And then they wore down the offensive line, it felt like. And that's when they were able to get pressure with four in the second half more. And a lot of those sacks came in the second half. Uh, but the pressure was pretty consistent in the first half, too. That's where the interceptions came from. They, they didn't get the sacks, but they got the interceptions instead. So that was a couple of things that I, I pointed out just schematically. Uh, the defense, they went. it was very interesting to me that when Notre Dame went with their jumbo packages, three, four tight ends on the field at a time, they had four tight ends and just a running back uh, for some of their goal line situations. USC stuck with three down linemen and two stand-up edges. And so that's their base package. They bring on Braylon Shelby. They bring on Anthony Lucas. Didn't bring on extra heavy guys. Didn't bring on extra nose tackles, anything like that. I thought that was really interesting. And, Chris, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know if anyone actually noticed this. It hasn't been mentioned, but Bear Alexander did not play in the fourth quarter. Hmm. That notice that, and and so I didn't, you know, during the game when I'm on the field, you know, it, it sometimes it's hard to see injuries or exactly what happened. Um, you know, we saw Max Williams go off, saw that. I didn't realize that Bryson Shaw, you know, it looked like he pulled a hamstring rewatching the game. Um, I saw him go to the sideline, but I didn't know that it was injury related necessarily. But you can see him definitely yank on the back of his leg and kind of pull up. He actually runs into Kalen Bullock a step after that. They were doing some crossing routes and kind of a, a secondary collision. I'm like, oh, do you get need a knee bang or something? But it looks more like a hamstring, and that's concerning because that's usually a multi-week thing. So Zion Branch is going to have to step up. Lincoln Riley talked about him in our Thursday presser about how you know it's time for him. You know, he, he thinks that he's the one of the most talented DBs in the room. 
um, if not the most talented. I can't remember exactly the quote, but uh, and then that that he's a guy that he perceives is going to get some playing time going forward. Well, you might perceive that if both of the guys in front of you are banked up. So he needs to step up, though, because this is a big week for that position in particular with the way Utah loves to use our tight ends. Now, Thomas Yasmin, um, the former rugby converted rugby player that ran through USC a couple times in the championship game last year. He is out for the season they, they announced earlier this week, but still great tight ends there. And the way they use them is really good. So that's got a position of value for Utah. So that's going to be a big matchup going forward. And we kind of jump into that, the Utah matchup, I guess they're looking at that, but uh, I, I thought it was interesting that Zion came on. I didn't realize it was injured there, but then in the fourth quarter, no bear Alexander, so, and I look back at a couple of the plays before to see, does he grab anything? Does he turn ankle or anything? Didn't notice anything. So I don't know exactly what the reasoning is there. Were they just giving somebody else some plays on one drive? And then it was like, this game's out of hand. Let's, you know, let's not use Bear. I don't, I don't know. But he did not play at all in the fourth quarter. So I thought that was very interesting. Keep an eye on that one going forward. Shotgun, I feel like we were making great time, and then you just decided to self-sabotage the entire <laughs> thing. That whole thing went just about as long as stock up, stock down. But we always do appreciate your insights and things that you see that not a lot of other people see. What is the time right now? We got about 15 minutes, Chris. We're about halfway. Oh, my God. You, you burn like four minutes on that. True, we're going true. into week eight. We're going into week eight. Utah coming to town. Obviously, we know this is a big game. USC is favored by seven right now in the Coliseum. This is a trend in this Utah-USC matchup is that Utah struggles to win in the Coliseum. Utah or USC struggles to win at Rice-Eccles, so they kind of have that built-in home advantage for these two teams. Uh, Utah, great, great defense, as always. Very physical, one of the best pass rushers in the country, and Jonah Ellis coming off the edge. A tall, tough task for USC's offensive line to come off this one. But again, kind of similar to, to Notre Dame in that as a good defense, not a really strong offense. Obviously, Cameron Rising is not in the lineup. We don't expect him to play despite all the cat and mouse games. Kyle Whittingham has been playing with him this season. They're just a different offense when Cameron Rising in there is in there under center, a USC killer. So Utah has struggled to move the ball, has struggled to put up points. They have added some new wrinkles with that wildcat formation with Sione Vaku. Uh, going off against Cal- Cal- California last week off their bye week. So we would expect some Wildcat to be going on in the Coliseum. But this is a very big matchup. USC's offense and their offensive line has to come to play against this uh, Utah defense. And if they do, you would certainly like USC's chances to put up some points and then maybe you know run out the clock here because Utah has struggled to move the ball and put up points. Yeah, Utah's offense has been atrocious. Um, you know, the, a, a large part of it is the quarterback, but also like you would expect the run game to be able to pick up a little bit, and they haven't been able to do that. Um, you, you know, and then hit with some play action and stuff like that. Their offensive line has not played as well as you would kind of expect of them normally because they're usually a like all 29-year-old guys, it feels like. They're all super physical guys, and they just haven't really moved people out of the way. So, again, like you said, it's it's kind of a Notre Dame matchup where it's strength versus strength, USC offense versus Utah defense, and weakness versus weakness, USC defense versus uh, uh, Utah offense. So uh, so we'll see how that kind of plays out, uh, you know, along with – 
Sione Vaki having a monster game that was, that was really big. He's an interesting guy. I saw him at the Polynesian Ball. I was just like, who is this guy? He's making a lot of plays, and he's turned into a dude for Utah. But also keep in mind that Utah defense is going to be Vaki, a bit of availability to be a Wildcat QB may be limited because on the other side, he may have to play more safety snaps because Cole Bishop is going to miss the first half. They're very talented safety. I believe he's their captain um, is going to miss the first half because of a targeting call. So again, yeah, if USC can push the tempo, get an advantage early and force Utah to play from behind, that helps them out even more because you're taking advantage of when one of their better players on defense is not out there in the first half. So that's something else to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Jaquinta Jackson is, is the one to watch on the offensive side for Utah, the running back. Had a monster game against USC, I believe, in the Pac-12 championship. Had a couple touchdowns. He's he, a former quarterback. He's like he's six three or so. I don't know his exact measurables off the top of my head, but that dude's huge. That's all I remember. He's a monster, similar to Audric Estime. Very similar body style and kind of running styles, uh, from from my opinion. So we'll see how they kind of match up with that, and they can slow him down. If they they hold him to ninety five yards and twenty two carries, like they did estimate. I think USC will be uh, be happy with that uh, re- result uh, there. So those are kind of the the things that stand out about Utah. Obviously, they got to stop the front. Ellis has been phenomenal. He's got uh, what eight nine sacks already this season. Um, twenty five pressures in six games. He's been phenomenal off the edge. So they got to block him, but he's not. Not the only one. There's been multiple guys that have been able to get in the backfield and, and cause some issues, and it'll be up to USC to slow them down. If the offensive line doesn't play well, then USC won't play well. It'd be the same thing. Jackson listed at six foot two, 228 pounds. Henson did mention that in his presser yesterday or his scrum yesterday that they're relentless. They they do not give up. They have so many good initial moves and then secondary and third moves to get to the quarterback. So the USC has to be on their toes for multiple seconds when they're they're rushing the passer. Looks like you want to say something, Shotgun, and take one, five more minutes off our clock. One interesting thing will be to watch will be, does USC try to use Caleb Williams' legs again? Remember, that was a big factor with him scrambling in the first game, but then in the Pac-12 championship, it definitely looked like the game plan was to run Caleb a lot on the read options and stuff, and obviously had the big run that he actually got injured on. So is that a part of the game plan? to try to negate some of that pass rush to keep them from flying up the, you know, flying off the edges and stuff. Can you attack with the quarterback? Do you want to put Caleb Williams in that situation? You know, especially after seeing what happened to him in the Pac-12 championship game. So that'll be something as far as the X's and O's, the game planning, that'll be interesting to watch as well. And just correct, correct. Quick correction. I said, Vaku, it's Vaki, like shotgun said, Sioni Vaki. So apologies to the great number uh, safety slash running back. Shaka, we're going to go into our break right now, and then we come back. We're going to switch it up and do some take it or leave it before questions. So we'll be right back after this break. And welcome back to the Heal- to the Helium Boys podcast. Sorry, I got a little uh, mixed up there with the time. We have about nine minutes. We're in a decent position. Decent position. We're going to do something different. We have a couple questions, but I'm actually going to go to take it or leave it first because I don't want to get those cut off. We did have some fans submitted take it or leave it specifically one person sent us in seven take it or leave it but i do have one for me shotgun so the first one you're going to get is take it or leave it usc starting offensive line will be a new combination first snap on saturday 
Take it for sure. Uh, I feel like Mason Murphy has earned the right tackle spot the last couple games, uh, just playing a little bit better than the Michael Tarquin. So I think that'll be the start. I still think you rotate in Tarquin. Now the question after that, if you had told me, you know, if you didn't give me that, that is an option, then it becomes much more difficult because the way they sounded, the coaches the last couple of days, like they're open to doing something a little bit drastic compared compared to just that one change. Like someone who hasn't really played the last four games, five games, suddenly being in the mix. And Killian O'Connor is the name that keeps popping up the most. So would you, Chris, consider Killian O'Connor coming in, the walk-on, coming in at center, doesn't have a bunch of experience or anything, a couple snaps here and there, and then moving Justin Dietrich to one of the guard positions? What would you think about that? It's just so tough knowing that it's against Utah to have your first game, yeah. first start be against Utah. That's what's like really difficult about it. If it was like Cal, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. But you're such in a desperate spot. I feel like I would, I guess I would have to do it. I feel like you would have to do it just to, just to get things going. But it is super risky just because of it being, you know, a walk-on first start, first real game action. I know we got one snap prior and some some garbage time snaps. Excuse me, I'm not allowed to say garbage time, but you know what I mean. This is some some key snaps and against a a devastating front like Utah. So it is a lot on him, but it it's just very it, they're in a bad spot. I don't envy Josh Henson having to make this decision. Yeah, they just got to play better. They have not played very well. They haven't been as physical as they need to be. Um, so if they don't start playing better as individuals and as a unit, then it won't matter who they're putting out there. Uh, one take it or leave it from JP at JP Trojan fan. Take it or leave it. The USC defense has played better than the USC offense the last two games. I, I thought this was a very interesting submission. I don't I don't know what your take is on this, Chris, but I'm, I'm going to leave it. No, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take okay, it. Okay. Okay. Just thought him. He just thought himself into it. Yeah. Turnovers are the difference there. Yeah, I would think about it, but I think I would personally leave it, but it's close. It's close. I know the turnovers are, but they both had, you know, moments and not moments. So it's like, it's kind of a tie to me. They're both kind of uh, on the bottom right now. Yeah. And and also the defense isn't creating turnovers. That's the biggest difference between this year and last year right now is the turnover margin. Go look at that number. I think USC at this point last season was like plus 15, seven games in and they're minus one right now. Defense not uh, creating is, turnovers. This is the big one with all the take it or leave it. I'm very confused about this one, Shotgun. I'm very confused. This is from Jack from New Jersey, who I think has written in before. And he's titled to this, the Helium Boys, but it's titled Alex and Shotgun. I don't know an Alex, and I am <laughs> definitely not Alex. So I don't know, Shotgun. You're going to have to call me Alex for the rest of this question. Alex and Shotgun, I sent some take it or leave it questions for Ryan and Coach Hyde. I'm throwing some out for you two also. Please answer, take it or leave it for the rapid fire. No maybes, no hedging, no discussion, unless you feel like it at the end. I hope you play along. So let's follow his rules. Let's follow his rules. I'm I'm a man of my Damn it, I'll follow the rules then, Trebek. Yeah, I'm uh, Alex Trebek. Maybe that's who he was thinking about. Uh, number one, Coach Riley was outcoached by Coach Freeman. I'll take it. Also, take it too. The offensive line is getting worse. Take it. They've not been good in the last games. I don't know where my accent's going there. Connery to Scottish or something. 
keep it rolling. I'll also take it three. USC would have been better off with Bill Biedenbaugh as the offensive line coach than with Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator. I don't really understand the comparison of this question. So I think we're going to have to to boot it because I don't really understand how it makes sense, really. Uh, okay. Number four, Alex Grinch will be USC's defensive coordinator for the 2024 season. I'm gonna, Take I'm it. gonna, uh, I'm gonna leave it actually, just to mm. add a little more spice. Uh, five, USC finishes no better than nine and three this season, regular season only. I'm gonna leave it. You're leaving it. Mm. No better. I'll leave it. Yeah, I'll leave it. Six, USC will win against Utah this Saturday. Take it. Take it. Number seven, Zachariah Branch will get wide receiver reps on Saturday and catch at least two passes. That's easy money, Shotgun. Take it. Yeah. Do you, if you put running back reps and get more than two carries, then it becomes much more interesting. And I might still take it? Mm-hmm. Bonus, take it or leave it for Shotgun. If you cannot travel for the Cal, Oregon, or UCLA games, you were invited to watch the game at my home in White House, New Jersey, with my family and friends. I'll grill you the best burger you have ever had in your life. Shotgun, take it or leave it. I will have to leave it, unfortunately, because though I will not be traveling for the Cal game, I will actually still be traveling. I mean, I have five straight weeks of travel. Uh, so UCLA game uh, is the only game that I will not be traveling for right now, it, and I will be in New Jersey. I guess this one is for me. For Alex, when USC comes to New Jersey to play Rutgers, you, Ryan Gerard, and Shotgun are invited to be my guests for dinner at Stage Left Steak in New Brunswick, New Jersey. I'll take that, even though my name is technically not Alex. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Your mother's a whore, Trebek. (laughs) I'm going to... Are you... I'm... Okay. Uh, uh, Are you guys all working... You All you guys are working harder than ever this year. Thanks. We appreciate your efforts to keep up us well-informed Jack from New Jersey. Catch the semen, Trebek. Is that what the mustache is for? Catch these men. Uh, okay, I'm Alex. That's Shotgun. That is it for Take It or Leave It. So, Shotgun, what are we doing on time? What are we doing on time? We have two and a half minutes, Chris. Okay, so you get one question, and then I get one question. I'm going to do this one really quick. Emails, Shotgun and Chrissy T. Flying in from Queen City, Charlotte, for the Utah game this weekend. This is from Michael from North Kakalaki. That sounds made up. But he's flying in this weekend. North Kakalaki. Best spots for for, to grab dinner Friday night and a place that has money breakfast Saturday morning. Prefer places that don't break the bank. I'll be staying right outside of Hermosa Beach for reference. Thanks for the suggestions. So I actually had to call in uh, Ryan for this one because obviously he lives very much close to Hermosa Beach. So uh, I uh, I got that in there. I'm blank. I'm, he says MB Post, Simsies, Palmia, local yolk or Bill's pancakes, and the kettle are all his suggestions for around that area. I don't know which one is for dinner. I can assume which one is for breakfast. But those are the suggestions for Ryan Abraham, who lives in the area. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Shotgun, you pick a question. Um, I, to real quick on that one, if you're not going to be in that area, if you're going to be downtownish area. Park's finest Filipino barbecue is amazing. I take everyone there when I'm in town. Uh, that's where I go. I try to go once every trip. Amazing stuff. Uh, one question. I get to pick one question from our list that we have. Thank you everyone for submitting those. Remember like subscribe, 
leave a five-star review, all those type things. And if you have questions, you can send them to podcast at uscfootball.com. Just put us in the in the subject or whatever so we know that it, so that it gets directed towards us. But I'm going to take Samuel's question. Who do you think would win in a game between a fully healthy 2022 USC team and a fully healthy 2023 USC team? This is a fun question, and I'm picking 2022. I'm sorry. I am because they have the best defender in Tulitu Pelotu. They have a better mm-hmm. all-line, and they have a first-round pick at wide receiver in Jordan Addison. So I'm picking 2022. That's interesting. If it's fully healthy, you got to take 2022 just to the offensive line. The offensive line is the difference maker there. Now, I think the 2022 offensive line would have a much more difficult time with the 2023 defensive line. Um, but, you know, I, I think that if it's fully healthy and you have Nilon and you have Voorhees and you have that synergy that those guys in that op- offensive line had, then I would take those guys. Uh, but we haven't seen the full product of 2023. And that's something that still is a question mark. But it's also one that you wonder about going forward. So we got to see uh, what USC can do um, going forward. Looks I like that. our I hear timer, time. timer has hit, timer, Chris. Timer has hit. You just got to give me a score to, prediction on to, your way to out. To finish my thought real quick, though. Okay, uh, okay. We haven't seen what this 2023 team will be at the end of the year. They can still get better. I asked Lincoln Riley today about – the connection between Caleb Williams and Dorian Singer, I feel like that's a weapon they still haven't unlocked. So I feel like there still could be weapons that are getting better. Zion Branch, you know, can he become a guy for them? And the things like that. But it's got to happen now. There's no more waiting around. They've had four weeks in a row of of regression or just not necessarily regression, but downward playing. Lincoln Riley says it's it's peaks and valleys throughout a season. There's no just straight climb. Well, it's been a downward plane uh, over based on since the bye week. So got to get it going forward. So to f- finish that thought, which is what I said we would do. Um, and now, Chris, what was the last thing we have? We have score prediction. Just give me a score prediction for this weekend. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Like I said, USC's favored by seven in this game. So what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Um, 27-20. Ooh, okay, okay, push. okay. Push. I have I have 31-28 USC. And then I'm I'm gonna be very unsurprised when USC comes out and if they go YOLO ball and Matt Fink throws for five touchdowns. Like would not shock me in this game that they put it together finally. But it the signs from the last like I said, the last four weeks haven't been great. So uh we'll see. We'll see what, what team shows up on Saturday for USC. We absolutely will. Shotgun, that's going to wrap it up. I'm going to actually leave because I'm the host. I can end on a a heard it on the sidelines because we were both on the sidelines. I was in the crush of the the students and the fans rushing the field. I love a good fan rushing the field. And everyone was so nice. It wasn't like chaotic or anything. I ran right into it. It wasn't for me. My experience was great. Five stars all around for that uh, field rushing. I was crushed trying to get into the uh, the tunnel at the end, and we're all packed in there like sardines. And then I hear somebody trying to call somebody on the left of me, and I turn, and it's a child leprechaun, which obviously doesn't make sense because an adult leprechaun and a child leprechaun are probably the same size, but I could see it in his face. And he was trying to get a hold of his mom, calling him on her cell phone, saying, Mom, we rushed the field. Mom, we rushed the field. So that is the lasting image from the field for me is a small child leprechaun calling his mother. Like what age are we talking about here? Uh, He's probably like 13. 
I mean, okay. I don't know when leprechaun. I don't know when leprechauns hit puberty, so he could have been a full grown man at that point. So I, I don't know. I was the like a six year old in that swarm, and I was no, like, no, "That's no, 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 no. that kid never no, made no, it home." No no, no, no. I mean, in leprechaun culture, when you're when you um when you're like thirteen, you can you can legally have a wife and kid at that age. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think he was grown enough, but just but still young enough to want to to want to call their their mother the mama leprechaun. That was a terrible <laughs> accent. That's all I got. Shotgun. Let's end this uh, speedway. Uh, Chris, I did want to point out that we did, like we said, we, like Chris said, we went up the tunnel uh, where all the fans were exiting. We got kind of blocked from where the rest of the media left. But Chris got a phenomenal shot of touchdown Jesus um, through there as the fans are walking out. Uh, so that was a great shot, Chris. I just wanted to credit you there for that one because uh, my best shots didn't were plays that didn't end up being completions or anything. Great catch by Brendan Rice out of bounds. Great catch by Dorian Singer. Push off. Take it back. So, um, you know, I, I just wanted to credit you for a great shot there. Had a great time on the trip again. Thank you for everyone for coming out to the meetup or for saying hello. I'll be back out in L.A. this week for the Utah game. So if you see us, make sure you shout us out. Take a picture with us. We want to, you know, interact with you guys. We love we love the interaction. I love the fact that Chris gets uncomfortable with it every single time. Uh, but we really appreciate everyone for listening. And thank you guys so much for, for being a part uh, of this podcast and this podcast community. Shout out to the guy who we ran into outside of the stadium who met you. And then you pointed out the other helium boys right here. And he was like, <laughs> absolutely stunned. I, don't, I didn't get his name because I was talking to someone else. So maybe you remember his name, but his wife took a picture of us. Uh, shout out to his wife who he said he forces her to listen to our podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You're probably listening to this right now. Rolling your eyes. I'm so sorry. I well, she's, got, she's got a shorter version this time, Chris. That's true. That's true. We probably made a better week for her because it was only uh, probably 35, 35 minutes or something. So, yeah, that's going to wrap up our speed run. I am Mexican Terminator going to go find John Connor and then Shotgun (laughs) is going to go finish charting or something. So thank you for joining us on Helium Boys, uh, the express version, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. We will catch you next time after Utah.